Another thing that I wanted to point out on credit scores, because I get asked this question all the time, um, people have credit karmas, credit sesames, and that's how they monitor their credit. It is very important to know whenever we pull your credit, we're not pulling it from credit sesame or credit karma. We're actually pulling it from the three bureaus. That was the voice of Brittany Shoemaker, loan officer with Trinity Oaks Mortgage. She's answering questions from first-time home buyers about credit scores, and it may not really be what you think. So we dive into that and answer many more questions on this episode of Welcome Home. Welcome Home, a podcast brought to you by John Houston Custom Homes. Join hosts Chelsea Frazier and Whitney Pryor as they walk you through the exciting adventure of your home buying and building journey. Hello listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Welcome Home Podcast. I have Chelsea, our co-host here with me. Chelsea, why don't you tell us who is at the kitchen table today? We have got Brittany Shoemaker. She's a loan officer with Trinity Oaks Mortgage and she is gonna be interviewed today by first time home buyers, Hannah and Joshua Lippert. They've got all the questions that we all had when we were purchasing our home for the first time. Where do I start? What does this mean? What is PMI? What is, how do I qualify, etc. So welcome to the show, Brittany. Hi. And welcome Hannah and Joshua. Hey. Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you all for coming and we're going to let you ask the questions. Whitney and I may step in to ask our own and get clarification on a few things, but we'll just let you kick it off. Awesome. Well, hey, Brittany. Hi. Hey. How are y'all? Great. So uh, my husband and I are first-time home buyers. Um, we have gone through the process and really enjoyed it, but obviously we have a lot of questions, and I feel like a lot of people have these questions, so I'm really excited to get some answers today from you because I feel like you're going to be able to really help us out. So I think the first question that Josh and I both have is the big question of how much mortgage can I really afford? How do I figure that out? Okay, well, that is a great question. Um, I'm going to answer that Um, by saying that that's kind of a comfort level thing. You guys have to be comfortable with what you guys spend, but also we have to look at it from a guidelines point of view and a debt-to-income point of view. So really, it'll be a hard question to answer without having pulled your credit, taken a look at your income, tax returns, W-2s. Once I have that information and I'm able to look at your credit report and look at your liabilities, that's whenever I'll be able to determine how much you guys can afford. And then it's up to you guys to determine what you're comfortable spending. Right. And that makes sense because even though we might qualify or be pre-approved for a certain amount, it wouldn't be necessarily smart to like go all the way up to that amount, right? Correct. Yep. That's exactly right. Brittany, is there a general guideline of like how much your mortgage should be percentage-wise of what all of your other income or debts or, or things like that? Um, so again, I really think that's another question that can be answered with someone's comfort level because some people are comfortable going up to 50% of their income. Um, others don't want to go above 20%. So it really comes down to what someone is comfortable with and everybody's comfort level is just so different. Uh, so for Hannah and I, like, what do we really need or are there any like specific documents that we got to like bring to the table um, to prepare or get like a loan? Yeah. So another really good question. Um, in terms of, there's two terms that we really 
talk about in the mortgage industry. One is qualifying. The other one is an actual loan approval. When you qualify, um, which is basically what we do on the first step, you guys tell me what you make. I'll pull your credit. As long as there's nothing funky, so if you have self-employed income, that's something that would be a little bit different. We'd want to go ahead and verify your income by tax returns. Um, If you don't have any of that, then we can do stated income, stated assets. That will qualify you. And next steps, once you contract, then we'll, we'll gather all of those documents, and then we will verify all of the information that you told to me, and that will be sent to an underwriter, and they will review it and approve it. So when uh, first-time homeowners are first searching for a home and they really like a home, they want to put an offer in, that's when you do the pre-qual, right? The pre-qualification where you're just going off of stated income and credit uh, credit reports. Then whenever they actually put in that offer is when you're doing the pre-approval, which is we go off of actual documents and, and verify all of that information. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Um, Unless someone has that weird situation where they're self-employed or even sometimes I have customers who who they want to go ahead and go through with the approval process before before they go into a contract, which I completely understand because it's such a nerve-wracking process sometimes. Um, Sometimes it's better for people to get approved. It makes them feel a lot better and a lot more secure before they put an offer in, but we're fine doing it either way. Yeah, that's actually really helpful to know because I'm a type of person who loves to like plan ahead. So when Hannah and I kind of have been talking about like purchasing a home, I always want to know like the logistic side of it of like, okay, what, like, what do we really need to bring to the table to, um, to present to them to be able to qualify for a loan? So that's, yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. So let's say we get pre-approved from the loan. We find the home, we love it, we put in an offer, they accept the offer. What's next with you guys? That is also a really good question. So what we will do at that point, once I get a copy of your contract, um, which will either be sent to me if you guys are building a house or getting a new construction home, um, that um, typically the contract is going to be sent to me from the sales agent. If you're working with a realtor and you're going with a pre-existing home, then your realtor is going to send me your contract. Once I get a copy of your contract, that's whenever we start the the real loan approval process. I'll send you out all of your initial loan paperwork. um, And at that point, I'll request all of the documents, tax returns, W-2s, bank statements, pay stubs, if I don't already have them. And that's something that if you guys want to give me up front, I'm totally cool with that. Um, And then at that point, it gets submitted over to processing and that they will review everything that I've already reviewed. At that point, I feel pretty secure that you guys are going to be approved. Uh, it usually doesn't go that far if we if, if there's a problem. Um, once processing reviews it, then it goes to underwriting for approval. Brittany, what does that typical length of time look like? So we typically are able to close loans three to four weeks once we get the contract. Uh, sometimes sooner if we need to rush it, we will. Um, if you don't want to rush it, I mean, it's really up to you guys, but three to four weeks is typical. So something for me that I think we both have a lot of questions on is the closing. Will I have to pay closing fees? How should I prepare for those? So um, closing costs and your down payment, that's going to be determined by um, your loan amount and your sales price. So the closing costs are always going to vary. There's, they're not ever the exact same. Everybody's loan situation is completely different. So closing costs are going to be completely different. Um, you will, 
typically rule of thumb is is that you want to prepare for about ten thousand in closing costs. Um, most of the time, it's not that much though. But to be on the safe side, I always tell people prepare for ten thousand. It's probably going to be less than that. That's really good to know. I did want to ask a question that is a little bit more geared towards that too as well. So I've heard and I've talked with my parents too as well that when they purchased their previous homes, they had to pay 20% as a down payment. Um, Is there something specific if we could possibly qualify for paying less than 20%? How does that really work? Yeah, absolutely. So you do not have to put 20% down. As first-time homebuyers, you guys actually have the option of putting as little as 3% down. And that is, it's a really good option for, for first-time home buyers. It is going to be dependent upon your credit. So as long as you have great credit, a 3% down option, is, it's a great option. Interest rates are still really good for them. Um, now you will have mortgage insurance. So if you put less than 20% down, that is the rule. Um, you will have mortgage insurance and your mortgage insurance is going to be determined by two things, uh, your credit and your down payment. So the more you put down, the less your mortgage insurance is going to be. The good thing with mortgage insurance is that you have the option, depending on how much you put down, you can have two to three options on how you want to pay it. You can pay it monthly, you can pay it up front, and sometimes you can even finance it into your loan. Okay, gotcha. So when it comes to mortgage insurance, if we were going to go with paying like 3% for our down payment, do we have to pay the mortgage insurance until the home is paid off? Or is there like a period of time until we reach this point that it like cuts off? Okay, so um, when you put 3% down, so yes, you do have to pay the mortgage insurance for a certain amount of time. Um, and it's going to depend on, on how much you put down again. So if you do it for three, 3% down, you're probably going to be looking at at least 10 years that you would be paying the mortgage insurance. Um, now, there is another rule that if you have 20% equity in your home, you can request to have the mortgage insurance taken off out of your payment. Um, At that point, you do have to prove the equity with an appraisal, and then you have to contact a mortgage insurance company and have them remove it. I was a recent first-time home buyer um, myself, and coming from a rental background, um, I think that first-time home buyers typically want to know, what is that monthly payment going to look like? Because that's what they've they're used to. So can you kind of go into um, explaining what all is in a mortgage payment monthly and kind of break down what all you'll be paying because it's not just principal and interest. Um, There's more to it, right? That's correct. So you will have your taxes and your insurance to pay as well as mortgage insurance if you put less than 20% down. If you put 20% or more down, you actually have the option to take your taxes and insurance out of your payment at that point. Um, You would actually need to just handle them yourself. So you'd pay pay it every year when they were due. That makes a lot of sense. I think something that we run into is we'll look on at homes on realtor.com and Zillow and you know they give you that little estimate calculator and it's like oh yeah this home's only going to be about $900 a month and we're like whoa this is perfect but then really when you add all in these all of the costs like homeowners insurance and property taxes and HOA fees it's so much more than that so I think that's really good to hear As Hannah and I have been looking online at different homes and different uh, home building businesses, when we look at these different homes, I see like this little tab that says HOA fees. Can you go into detail on like what HOA fees are? Because some homes say that you have to pay HOA fees and then other homes, it's not even listed on there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So an HOA is a homeowners association. Um, a homeowners association is actually separate of who owns your home or if someone's building your home. They don't typically handle the HOA. It's actually independent. Um, whenever you make your HOA payments, you actually make it to a separate entity that they, they bill you separately. So it's not included in your payment. Um, it's just a separate payment. Um, homeowners associations include things like lawn maintenance or um I don't know what color you can stain your fence, stuff like that. So some neighborhoods have homeowners associations and others do not. But also there's some really positive things about HOAs. Um, some neighborhoods have pools and parks. So if you have a family, um, stuff like that, then you know your HOAs are taking care of those pools and parks and you're not having to worry about them. Right. So your monthly payment might be more, but you're getting a lot from, there's a lot of benefits in paying those HOA fees and being in a great neighborhood like that. Correct. I think one of the last questions we have is, how do I know which loan is right for us? I know there's different loans, FHA, conventional. Can you kind of explain the difference with those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the different loan types are going to be really dependent upon um, credit scores. If you're a veteran, how much money you want to put down. Um, so I'll go into a little bit about each of the loan um, products, and that way you kind of have a little background for that. Um, FHA and VA, they're both government loans. Um, most people hear government and they're like, well, what's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with a VA and an FHA loan. They're actually very popular loans and they're actually very great loans. So um, VA loans are strictly for veterans. You have to have, um, you have to either be married to a veteran or be a veteran to, to get that type of loan. Now, an FHA loan is great for people with lower credit scores um, and it also has a very low down payment requirement. A great loan product. The mortgage interest rates are um, fixed. They are not based on your credit. Um, so it provides a very low payment for people with lower credit scores. Conventional, that's going to be your more traditional loan type. Um, you still, as a first-time home buyer, have the option to put 3% down. Um, if you are not a first-time home buyer, the minimum down payment requirement is 5%. Again, we talked about the mortgage insurance that goes on those um, if, you, if you put less than 20% down. Um, but really, all three loan products are great. There's not a bad loan product. It just really depends on, on what that person is looking for. I'd like to pause for a moment and talk to you a little bit more about our preferred lender, Trinity Oaks Mortgage. I know you've heard from Brittany and Daniel and the rest of the team at Trinity Oaks Mortgage here on our podcast, and I've even used them on my personal home loan this year. From the moment the application begins, Trinity Oaks is committed to serving their customers through all stages of the home buying process. They strive for building lifelong relationships that last well beyond the funding of your dream home. To learn more, follow them on Facebook or Instagram. You can call them at 866-429-5010 or visit their website at trinityoaksmortgage.com. They are an equal housing lender and their NMLS number is 1443326. And now back to our conversation with the folks at Trinity Oaks Mortgage. There's a lot of talk about credit scores when it comes to picking the right loan. I'd like to think that we have a really good credit score, but how, you know, how does our credit score really affect our loan? So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, there is a lot about credit that we could talk about. Um, credit scores are so important in, in which type of loan you qualify for. Um, 
because it just depends on what your credit is and what type of loan that you you qualify for. But um, the good thing with FHA loans is that you can go all the way down to a 620 credit score. You're still going to get a fairly good interest rate versus conventional. Um, if you know, we can go down to a 640, but at that point, when you get into the 640s, um, you're going to have a little bit higher of an interest rate. But depending on how much money you put down, if you put 20% down, you might have a, l- a little higher interest rate, but you're going to still have a lower payment than if you were to do an FHA. Loan. Um, and another thing that I wanted to point out on credit scores, because I get asked this question all the time, um, people have credit karmas, credit sesames, and that's how they monitor their credit. It is very important to know whenever we pull your credit, we're not pulling it from credit sesame or credit karma. We're actually pulling it from the three bureaus. And there's and there's eight different ways for your credit to be graded. So there's FICO 1 through FICO 8, and those are all different grading modules for your credit mortgage industry uses a FICO 5 there's actually websites that you can go on and look up your mortgage credit report Um, but as far as the credit sesames credit karmas they're great for monitoring your credit but not necessarily for looking at your credit scores so Hannah graduated two years ago so we have begun to like start paying off like her school loans and I actually just graduated a month ago and I won't have to start paying those until about five six months after graduation and my biggest question is, how is us paying off our school loans going to affect us being approved for a loan for a home? So another really good question that we actually get asked quite often with with people who have student loans, um, just because I know you mentioned that your student loans, you're not paying on them currently, but you will in the future. Because you have the debt, we have to count that again in your debt to income. So what we do is take 1% of your balance and that's the payment that we use um, for our our debt to income calculations. Um, If you're already paying on your student loans, which is typically gonna be lower than that 1% that we use for the the students that are in deferment, uh, we can actually take the payment directly off of your um, credit report. A lot of people ask me, so even though I'm not paying on it, you still have to count it against me. We do because we know eventually you're going to have to pay that student loan back. So I just wanted to add on to that. Han and I have been actually going through a Dave Ramsey course. And what's really cool is that he's given us like different types of strategies to pay off school debt. And let's say we go for like a 30 year loan. In a couple years from now, probably like three to five years, that's our goal to pay off our school loans. After we've paid those off, should we refinance or should we keep it on the same path that we're going right now? Because, I mean, our plan is probably about like three to five years. We'll probably be looking to have a kid too as well. Um, so what would you recommend for us to do in that situation? Yes. So your liabilities, your payments that you make on your cars, your student loans, stuff like that, they actually really don't have anything to do with your interest rate. Um, so right now rates are so low and they're so good that it, you know, they might not ever be this low again. We don't, we don't know. Nobody does. But um, five years from now, it, the only reason you would want to refinance is if you wanted, if you had equity in your home, uh, you could refinance the PMI, the mortgage insurance out of your loan. If you have, you know, 20% equity. Um, but other than that, unless, unless you just um, want to shorten your term or if rates are better than they are now, that would really be the only reason that you'd refinance your, your liabilities and your monthly payments really don't have anything to do with your interest rate. So yeah, that's really good information. 
Yeah, so Hannah and I have been kind of going back and forth between either buying a home that's already been pre-owned or possibly even building. So when it comes to getting a loan for building a home, I know you have to purchase the property and then also pay for the home itself. Are there two separate loans or are they going to be put together? What does that really look like? So that is a really, really good question, and there's two different answers. Um, It really just depends on where you're looking to build. Some builders already own the land. If the builder already owns the land, you don't have to do two loans. You basically, you'll just go in, you'll put a deposit down with the seller or the builder, and they will build the home. Whenever your home is finished, you'll close on the home. It's a one-time close. Now, let's say you have a piece of property that you love and you want to buy it, and then you want to build on it. Um, That is something a little bit different. You have to get a land loan for those. You have to, and then you'll close on the land loan. Once you are financing that, uh, the land loan, then the builder, you'll actually go in and do a whole separate transaction with the builder. Uh, once that transaction is complete, then you will have to do another close on the, on the home and the land. So you basically are at that point that we call it a refinance. So you're refinancing the proper, both properties into one. So really, when you're looking at buying from a builder, you want to do your research and your due diligence and make sure that that builder is carrying that construction loan for you. So you all you have to worry about is the mortgage and getting qualified for the mortgage. It takes a lot of headache and stress out of the buying process when all you have to do is worry about qualifying for one loan. Well, those were all really great questions and answers, and I feel like we really tackled some of those first-time homebuyer questions. I'm sure there's a lot more that you have that we could tackle another podcast or if you want to reach out to Brittany, she's going to provide her contact information at the end of the episode so you can reach out to Trinity Oaks Mortgage directly. But I just wanted to thank you, Hannah, Joshua, Brittany, for coming on the show and demystifying the first time home buying process. Yeah, thanks so much for letting us ask these questions. I think we both can say we feel a lot more prepared now and we we know clearly kind of the direction we want to go with our home. And so thanks for answering these questions for us. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Brittany, do you want to give us your contact information so that if people have questions for you and are interested in, you know, refinancing or buying a new home, they can reach out directly to you? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Brittany Shoemaker. My NMLS number is 103-5668, and I can be reached at 469-552-5607. And Trinity Oaks Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender, and their website is trinityoaksmortgage.com. Well, that wraps up our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to click the description for episode notes and to get contact information for Trinity Oaks Mortgage and Brittany directly, um, as well as our information. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can visit us at johnhoustoncustomhomes.com. If you have questions about the mortgage process that you would like answered on our show, call us at 866-646-6008 or email us at info at jhoustonhomes.com. Welcome home. home.